Good morning, Identity Church. I hope y'all have had a great week. I know I have. There's been a lot of just change. We went, do you know our most favorite thing, Heather's most favorite thing in the world we got to do yesterday? Go sit in a car dealership for five hours all day long. It was it was quite uh, amazing. My my Dodge Durango was giving up the ghost this past week, and and it was at a point to where it just decided to, it didn't completely go, but we were right there on the edge, so we went and bought a car. Um, it's pretty bad. We're in a weird time. You go buy a car. If you went to go buy a used car, for only a few thousand more, you can get a brand new car. It's a real weird time right now. But uh, we got a car, so, you know, yesterday was like, so I was too lit to quit yesterday. I'm going to tell you what. You know, one of the things I, I named this, the Lord kept, I kept asking God, I was like, what am I supposed to teach on Sunday? What am I supposed to teach? And I got nothing. And I got nothing. And so yesterday or the other night, I was sitting there and um, I was talking to Jason Elrod and and I was messing with him. I said, yeah, too legit to quit. Do y'all remember that song back in the 90s? It was, you know, too legit to quit. You know, I was messing with him about something because there was a song that I thought kind of sounded like that. And the Lord hit me with this message, like right there in the middle of the Mexican restaurant. So my, my, uh, my title is a little bit of a play on words from the too legit to quit. But do you know that this word lit right here? If you go look it up in the dictionary, it's just a past tense version of light. You know, we have these idealisms about uh, that John especially. John would talk about children of light and children of darkness. They would talk about all these different things. And one of the things that I remembered was, you know, by reading that over the last couple of weeks was that we are the light of the world. And this scripture popped up, Matthew 5, 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Well, let me ask you a question. If you had this big city, let's just say you had Atlanta. Could you hide Atlanta? No, you can see Atlanta from space. I mean, you know exactly. It encompasses six counties. That is a big city. And see, one of the things that Jesus was trying to get to his disciples was, you mean something, don't hide it. In fact, it says here in verse 15, it says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. See, if you put it in a basket, you hide it, right? We, we might be able to focus the light if we put it inside of, a, inside of a fixture, right? How many people have recessed lights in your house? Well, you have a recessed light in the house. You know, it focuses it right down on the thing. But see, Jesus is saying that your light is to encompass a whole house. In fact, it says here, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Well, do you know that if you are the light that's in the house, then you need to shine bright so everybody can see. Do you know that there are people and places and things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis that you're the only light? In fact, you're the only person that might even be bringing a, a monicum of just peace to a situation. 
Do you know that in every single thing that you do in your life, you're going to be the light that's probably going to be in the room? Well, you know what most Christians do? We hide ourselves. Well, what if they say something bad to me? Well, you know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names never hurt me. Well, what if they come in and go, you're a Jesus person? Oh, but that hurt my feelings. You know that most of the time, just because somebody says it in a nasty way, you would turn around and say it in a good way and it meant something to you. See, that's the problem that I think we have in our society is that we don't want anybody to say anything bad about us. In fact, cancel culture is a, is a real deal. And if you're online and you say anything that you want to say, it, it can get bad. Everybody wants to shout you down. We were online and it was in the, what's, what's happening in Alabaster? And I'm not going to mention the place, but there was a, there was a restaurant that, was, that we actually ate at a couple days ago. And it was a good restaurant. But this person had a bad experience and decided to just rail online. It was like, it was like they opened up the floodgates. They put blood in the water for sharks. The community of Alabaster came after them. They actually took their post down. Well, you know, that's called peer pressure. They may not have liked the place. Well, you know, freedom of speech means that I get to speak whatever I want to. But we live in a time nowadays to where we'll shout somebody down. Well, guess what? That's fine. I mean, we live in this society. We have to be the one that is willing to be shout down. If you believe something, you're going to say it. That's one of the reasons why I truly believe that there are times and places where people need to get together, like church, and believe the same things so that we build each other up. You know, if you don't build yourself up, then you're just going to keep sinking in a hole. You know, the, the, we start to settle. I said this a couple weeks ago. It's like, it's like years ago, back when I was a kid, mom would buy the, the Kool-Aid that had the sugar in it. You'd pour it in there and you'd stir it up. But after like five minutes, all the stuff would go to the bottom, all the good stuff, the little crystally things, you know, and you'd be like, ooh, that was what I was trying to get to. It was like, how can I turn this thing upside down so I can get to the good stuff? Well, you know what that was called? It was called settling. I basically got to the point, it got to the point to where all the good stuff was on the bottom and we couldn't get it to the top. You couldn't get the flavor out of it. And see, this is what I want you to understand is that you are a light unto the world. And if you settle, if you cover yourself up, then you're not going to be very good to the world. See, Jesus was, I think a lot of times people think when Jesus says all that, they feel condemned. Why well, feel condemned? Jesus was trying to build them up. Jesus was trying to say, hey, you're the light of the world. That wasn't a bad thing to say. But it makes me feel ashamed because I haven't, I haven't been out there in the world. Okay, take the cover off. Let's let the light shine today, right? And it says in verse 16, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know that this is a truth that we need to understand is that God is going to get the glory for your, for your goodness. 
And you may go, well, I don't have any goodness in me. Well, you need to start listening to the word more. Say, I'm good because of God. Do you know that, that in your own goodness, yeah, you might be as filthy as a dirty rag. But do you know that at the, at the end of the day, if that's all you believe about yourself is that, oh, well, I sinned, I did bad, I did whatever. Well, then you're never going to get past your circumstance. You'll never get past it. You'll never overtake your circumstance. And see, that's why Jesus came to give us righteousness, not to say we had to earn righteousness, because if we had to earn righteousness, then we would never get there. In fact, that's why Jesus was so upset at all the Pharisees, because they'd walk up and go, I'm righteous. And he'd go, well, did you think about killing your neighbor? Did you think about sleeping with your neighbor? Did you think, well, yes, I've thought about it, but I didn't do it. Well, then you're not righteous is what he was trying to say. Do you know that this is the thing? For us to shine a light into the world, we have to believe that we got the spark of the Holy Spirit. You have to believe that the goodness of God is on the inside of you and that you're able to put that out to the world. If you don't, you will always be the wallflower, the one that sits on the sideline that never does anything. You will be the one that you'll always wonder why people are having so much more fun than you are. You'll, you'll believe, why do, why do I not have more? Why do I not do more? Why? Well, it's because you didn't shine your light. You know, one of the great things about shining a light is that the more you shine it, the brighter it gets. You know, if you've built a fire right here, it could be a little spark. But then we throw stuff on top of it. We give it oxygen. We give it more and more fuel. It starts burning. Heck, that sucker could burn this building down. You know that, that fire and our light, the candle, has to, has to shine. And we have to feed that thing. Hebrews 11.1. 1, we're going to talk a little bit about faith this morning. Faith is, the, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what Hebrews 1 tells us, 11.1. 1. Do you know that, that this scripture right here is a good understanding of what faith is, but it's not the only thing? So faith is also trust. So I start trusting in the promises of God. I start trusting in the, the promise giver. How about that? Hebrews 12. So after Hebrews 11, you get 12, right? Makes sense in numbers. But Hebrews 12, after they've gone through all of the fathers of faith, Abraham, you know, because Abraham, you know, was going to sacrifice Isaac, because Abraham believed God, because David believed God, because, 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 that was the hall of fame of faith. How many people's heard about the hall of fame of faith? We used to go to a, a word of faith church that you heard about faith every single week. The hall of fame of faith, you're in it. If you do it. See Hebrews 11, it just keeps going and going and going. If you do what God says and you stand in, in faith, your name gets written to Hebrews chapter 11. It doesn't keep, it doesn't move on to chapter 12 and, and stop. Because you're in the Hall of Fame of Faith. See, 12, where it picks up, is it's going to give you more understanding about the hope you have in faith. 
And it says in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. This word witnesses is the word martyr. It means that they can testify or give record. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. How many people think that the cloud of witnesses are people in heaven? Anybody got some people in here? Yeah, you're right. But guess what? You're also not complete. The witnesses are all of us. You guys are witnessing something awesome today. You guys are this cloud of witnesses. You're seeing the promises of God being manifest. When God told me, hey, go and start a church, I was like, no, I don't want to do it. I was a computer engineer. Why do I need to start a church? There's people that, I mean, I've got friends that they wanted to start a church. They wanted to be ministers from the time they were kids. They were called to it. I used to make fun of them because they would actually get themselves in trouble. They would lose jobs or do something because they would go tell their boss, hey, I'd much rather be a minister. And eventually they would go help them do that. They would say, you're gone. But do you know that at the end of all that, when God said, hey, I want to call you into the ministry. I was like, I've never preached a sermon that was any good. I tried it one time when I was like, I don't know, 20 years old. It was bad, wasn't it? It was bad. Do you know that God said, I've been preparing you for such a time as this. And I went, why? Why me, Lord? Have you ever had a why me, Lord? Now, you can have a why me, Lord, on a good thing, and you can have a why me, Lord, on a bad thing. The good things are a whole lot easier to swallow than the bad things, right? But I didn't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing, what what God was asking me to do. But see, what I want you to understand is that when God says, that there's a promise out there, we believe it and we move on. Then the cloud of witnesses, the people that are around us, the people that are in heaven, the people that are out there. How about this? The cloud of witnesses also have the naysayers, the people who tell you, you ain't going to be able to do that. Well, guess what? You got to deal with all kinds of witnesses from all different kinds of places. And it says, let us lay aside every weight And the sin, this word sin means to miss the mark, which so easily ensnares you. This is a very interesting word because it ensnares us because it entraps us in every direction. In fact, a runner, it would be that they're they're being entrapped. You know, when we, dad and, and Carol and all them, they worked, did stuff with NASCAR and we would watch all the races when I was a kid. Well, you know what they would do is they would, they would basically take away the air away from your spoiler. People would run up onto the car and they would they'd put their bumper right against the back end of the guy in front of them, take away the air. Well, then he loses all of his aerodynamics. Well, then he would have to go off to the side because he was being pushed, right? So eventually he goes to the back of the pack. Well, you know that when we ensnare something, we can do it many, many different ways. We can do it through a trap. Oh, there's a trap laid for us. That's pretty bad. You know, there's everything from like this middle trap over here where there's a, you know, 
you put up like a little barrier and the only way to get through is to go through the trap and their little head gets caught in it and the more they pull, the tighter it goes around their head. That's a snare. There's also the bear trap, right? It's the big teeth and it, you know, and it clamps down on their foot. But you know that we get ensnared by all kinds of things. We get ensnared if we don't get the results that we think that we should have gotten. Do you know that there's a lot of opportunities that I see in my own life where I've been ensnared by something just because of fear. Fear stopped me and I didn't see a way out. It was surrounding me. Do you know that when we see this sin because we're not missing because we're missing the mark? We're not hitting the goal. We're not going towards the finish line. Well, you know what? God calls that a sin. The reason why he calls it a sin is because it's hurting you. In fact, it says right here, and it says, which so easily ensnares us, it sidetracks us on every direction. It says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Oh, that's that's a really interesting one. How many people want to run my race? Anybody? Oh, Michael wants to run my race. Well, guess what? I'll just give it to you. You want it? I'll give you the race. Because a lot of it is a lot of work. You know, one of the things that I, that I find is that, is that people are trying to run other people's races. They see somebody doing something that they want to do and they go, I want to do that. You know, one of the things about my kids, and we're going to talk a little bit more about my kids in a minute because I've got a slide on it. That's, that's, you know, that's what I get to do when I'm, when I'm the pastor. You get to use your kids, right? Um, so anyway, but my, I remember Kaylee was wanting to become an esthetician. The only thing I ever knew how to do was work on computers. My mom is a graphics designer. She did that for a lot of years. She worked for print shops and for Regions Bank and everything. Well, Kaylee loved to draw. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get her into graphics design. And I would talk to mom and be like, oh, we're going to get her into this and we're going to get her into that. And then one day in like 2018, I'm, I'm sitting there and she goes, I want to do makeup for a living. And I went, you mean you want to buy makeup for a living? You just want to spend everybody's money on buying makeup? No, no, I want to do makeup. Well, you know that that turned into the first step and then the next step. And, and I, I got on board. At first, I wasn't real happy because I was like, I see a lucrative, you know, a lucrative job being a, a graphics designer for her. We'll get her into that and she'll make a lot of money. But, you know, the thing is, is that I said, Lord, you do in her what you want to do in her. Give her the desires of her heart. You know, God opened up opportunities. I went to a camp that year and we were ministering at the camp and doing things. And one of the people that was there that was a part of youth group came up, sat down with me, this lady, and she just starts talking to me about her life. And I thought, okay, maybe I've got to minister to her. Nope, she was there to minister to me. She came in and told me about this thing called cosmetology and then esthetician. I'd never heard of an esthetician. I didn't know what it was. Kaylee didn't know about it. I heard about it. I wrote some things down. I talked to Kaylee about it when I got back. You know that that spawned a whole conversation. We started looking into what that was. 
Now she's doing registered medical assistant work for the dermatology office doing skin, which is really what she wanted to do in the first place. You know, I tell Caleb all the time, I tell him, don't just do what I do. Because I'm a computer engineer. I went to school for it. I, you know, Caleb came in and said, hey, I like circuits. I like, you know, this part of technology. He's doing the, the curriculum up here at uh, Thompson for computer engineering. Do you know that I told him, I said, do your own thing. Find your place. Because I'm not a computer programmer. I don't want to do that. Well, I want him to go find his thing because he needs to find where his race needs to be ran. Because I can't live your life for you. And I've got different talents than you do and you have different talents than I do. And it, it takes us all. God created us individually so that we could fit together. Amen. All right, verse 2, and it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know that he actually looked at it as joy to be able to go to the cross for you? You know why? Because he knew at the very end of it he was going to have a whole family. You know, at the end of it, he saw you. He saw that you were going to come and you were going to be a part of who he was. He's going to be brothers and sisters and, and all of us was going to fit together jointly. And it says here in verse 3, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Do you know that there's going to be people who are going to try to discourage you just like Jesus was discouraged? Satan's going to come. You know, Satan actually came to Jesus at his weakest point and tried to tempt him. You're going to have Satan come and try to tempt you throughout your life. Just get ready for it. It's going to happen. Well, guess what? You're going to have people that Satan's going to use. And they're going to be people that I've actually found Christians, people that were good People that, for whatever reason, that day they decided to, to come and attack me on something. You know, I've had a couple of them come back and go, I don't even know why that happened. I was like, I did because I could see the devil working. <laughs> the devil was working double time that day on you. Well, you know what? There's a difference between possession and oppression. You know what? I see lots of Christians that are oppressed by the devil. The devil's got them ensnared, holding them tight, won't let them go. They can't run their race. And guess what? They see you running their race and you're heading towards the finish line and they get upset about it. Well, how dare they run their race? See, this is the problem that we have is that we're not cheering each other on. We're just looking. So that's the problem with being a cloud of witnesses is because a lot of times those witnesses are just going, let's see if he can do it. And then if he does it, it's like, oh, well, he did it the wrong way. You know, that's the problem is that we need more cheerleaders than we need just people sitting in the stands and looking for a, an opportunity to boo you. You know, I was talking about NASCAR. You know, we would go to these NASCAR races and I'd be sitting beside my dad and I'd go, Dad, when's the wreck going to happen? How many, I would go and I'd go, there hadn't been a wreck for a hundred laps. This is boring. 
Well, do you know that that's what I think people are sitting around for is they're looking for the wreck. Well, you know what? Just keep watching me. I'll, I'll show you a couple. Do you know that we need people to go, I'm not worried about wrecking. I'm worried about going. We need to move. Because if you're worried about wrecking, you'll stay in the pits. You'll never get out there. You need to be worried about moving. So don't be, don't be like this lady on the left here that's in the green and get in front of people. And also, don't fall in the hole before you hit the, the finish line. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary of well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we, are, if we not faint. Let me tell you something. I look at these two. Um, so how many people, say I grew up in the 90s, you know, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. And these two shows right here were like the shows that we watched. It was like Seinfeld and it was Friends. And, you know, I remember these, you know, basically Kramer is trying to tell this lady, look, this, this thing's not going to happen. And on Phoebe, she's actually pregnant at this point. And there, somebody asked her, hey, we're going to, when's your baby coming? And she goes, it hadn't happened yet, but we're all very excited. You know that in every circumstance in which you live your life, there's going to be a point to where there's going to be a birth of something. Sometimes we call it, we call it harvest because we plant a seed in the ground and all of a sudden something comes up. You know, Heather can kill a plant faster than you can, than you can shout hallelujah. Uh, she has. She's gotten way, way better. But it's because mom and all these people come around and they help her. Do you know that at the end of all of that, you get a harvest, you get a flower, you get a piece of fruit, you get something out of that. Well, the same thing is, is that if you have a baby, then nine months later, if you're having a baby, then you're going to have that thing come out and you got to deal with the crying. You got to deal with feeding it. You got to deal with cleaning its poop. Well, guess what happens? We all have... I look at this like farmers. You got a farmer on the left and you got a farmer on the right. The first farmer says, oh, now face it. It hasn't happened. It's not going to happen. I don't see my harvest coming up. Well, I better just plow up the field and start over again. Well, you know, different seeds have different timings. You know, I look at it like this. The gestation of a human baby is roughly nine months, right? You know, the gestation of a, of an elephant is like three and a half years. Think about that, ladies. Have to carry a, a baby for three and a half years. Woo! But do you know that there's a difference in season? There's a difference in seed? There's a difference in the fruit. And what you need to understand is that, is that just because you don't see the fruit of something right now doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. See, I like the way Phoebe said it. Hey, it hadn't happened, but I'm very excited. Something's coming. I know it's going to happen. Do you know that everything in, in its time and its place is going to produce fruit? That can be good and bad. You can plant good seeds and you can plant bad seeds. It's one of the reasons why Jesus said, hey, the harvest was coming and the harvester came in and said, hey, somebody sowed tares among the wheat. And Jesus said, well, you got 
you got to pull it all up. And after the fact, you've got to separate it. Well, you know what? There's going to be plenty of times in our lives where there's going to be things that we've got to separate out. And we got to know when our seed time and harvest is. <clears throat> Being coachable leads to greater things. This is where I get to, I get to double down on my kids here. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 8, and it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as a son. My son, do not despise the chastening. Oh, man, we're going to start getting into being chastened and flogged. But this word in the Greek, uh, pedia, it means instruction or training. How many people have went to elementary school? Intermediate school, high school. You know, I went all the way and got a master's degree. Do you know that I, that I got instruction all of my life and then I went to Bible school and then I go to work and everybody's smarter than I am so they try to give me instruction every single day. You know, there's not a day that goes by that somebody's not trying to teach me something. Do you know that, that as a kid... You know, we're, we're starting to get away from wanting to teach. We're wanting to get into, let's have, let's just not tell them anything that might hurt their feelings. You know, math is hard. I was not great at it. I made it through it. But you know what? That's not the way that you get kids to learn math is to go, well, just don't teach them. No, you've got to go through and instruct them. Sometimes we've got to be better at that. But do you know that in everything that we do, we don't need to despise instruction. And it says, especially of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked. This word rebuke means uh, you've, there was a fault. Do you know that, that if you have a fault, it's better to know about it early than it is later. You know, one of the problems with my car was that I started having this ticking, ticking. Tick, 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 tick. Well, then come to find out the thing was like eating into the, eating into the block. It, it started having all these issues. And so now I had to go buy a new car. I didn't want to buy a new car, but it happened. Do you know that at the end of all that, if I had took care of the tick up front, it might have lasted me longer. But there again, it's a machine and it'll they'll always have an issue. But my point behind this is that when you find a fault, take care of that fault then. Your instruction needs to change the fault at the time. You know, I used to go into, there was this boss I had, and he was a horrible, horrible boss. He was a pretty good guy. He was a bad boss. You know what he would do? He would take all the things for six months, and he would write them down against you. And then in your six months review, he would go and sit there, and he'd go, let me tell you about all the stuff that you didn't do. Let me tell you about all the things that didn't happen. And you'd go, why didn't you tell me six months ago or three weeks ago or whenever it was? Do you know that the problem was is that he was not good enough as a boss to say that I actually cared about you as an employee I just want to tell you when you're wrong. See, we have to have instruction with a fault. See, God's so good to us. He wants to teach you something so that you don't have to go through that problem again. And it says here, 
And it says, um, verse 6, it says, For whom the Lord loves, he teaches, he chastens, and scourges. That means he whips them, every son whom he receives. You know that my kids, when they were younger, I used to, I used to have to spank their butt. I had, I had to get on them. I had to take away something from them. You know, they would have an issue and we would go fix the issue. I would tell them why I'm punishing them. But do you know that eventually it got to the point to where they just said, I know what I've done wrong. You know, I didn't have, I whipped my kids when they were younger. It's a little bit like that story, the, the old uh, adage that if you take a, an elephant and you put up a rope where he can't get across when he's small, that when he gets really big, he sees that rope and he doesn't step over it. Well, if we set boundaries with God and God sets boundaries with us, if, he sets, if we set those boundaries, then we know when we see that rope, don't cross it. <coughs> don't cross a line that you know is a boundary. And it says in verse 7, it says, If you endure chastening, instruction, God deals with you as with sons. For what sons is, is their, I'm sorry, for what son is there whom a father does not chasten. See, I want you to understand something. <coughs> a good father loves his kids if he instructs them. If he doesn't love them, you know, and I see this a lot. When, when our kids were coming up, it was like, it was easier for us to turn on the TV and just go, go sit in front of the TV. I've got stuff to do. Well, you know what? There was times where we did that. But you know that there were other times where it was like, I'm not going to do the easy thing. I'm going to do the hard thing. I'm going to, we're going to do something that's constructive and instructive. Do you know that a lot of times that we, that with my own kids, I would tell them, hey, this is the way it needs to be, or you're going to get punished. That's set a boundary. <clears throat> I love these pictures. By the way, I know that I'm using my own kids, and the reason why I don't use your kids is I don't have y'all's kids' pictures, okay? So that's why I'm, I'm doing this. But, you know, Caleb down here in the left corner, he's four years old. And he's out there, and he's, I'm going to get the ball. Well, you know, all the kids would go and they would run by the ball. They would kick the ball. We went over to Harper's soccer game the other night on Friday night, and she was <clears throat> running around. They were kicking the ball, and they were doing all this stuff. Well, guess what? They didn't know what they were doing. <clears throat> there was like two kids that really did know what they were doing. The rest of them were sort of like, you know, kicking, the, kicking at the ball, running around. Well, you know what? You instruct by doing. Sometimes I got to not know how to kick the ball. Sometimes I, I got to know that I just messed up. Do you see what you did there? How do we fix that? You know, Caleb, he's only been playing lacrosse for two years. He can actually catch with that thing. I tried it a couple times. I can't do it. You know why? Because I've never been instructed how to do it. And you know what? I will tell you this. Just like with Kaylee, Heather and I, when we when they were kids, we we instilled in them a work ethic. And right now, Caleb gets up at like six o'clock in the morning and he goes into his five o'clock in the morning. Way earlier than I'm up. And he goes in and he and he does his schoolwork, he does all this. 
The kid has a 4.0 GPA. He made a 30 on the ACT. You know, it's his work ethic. I mean, yes, you can ha he's smart, without a doubt. But do you know that he's been instructed all of his life to work? You know work is not a bad word. Work is a good word. Let's do it. Make it your business. Go do something. You know, Kaylee, I remember through school, Kaylee was kind of like me when it came to school. I just want to get the heck out of it. And then I doubled down and went and got a master's degree. So I really hated myself. I was a masochist. I was like trying to hurt myself. But, but Kaylee went through, she got through school, she got her certification, all that as an esthetician. And then she's got a job. She got married. I'm really proud of my kids, not because they're greater than anybody else's kids, which I can make an argument, but my, my other, my thing is, is that when it got hard, we kept instructing. When it got hard, we whipped them. When we got hard, we took things away from them. You know, Kaylee had a problem with Instagram back, I don't know, when she was like 12 years old. But see, I want, I want you to understand. And, and the problem was is that, it, is that she just wasn't old enough to deal with it. You know what you do? You don't go, well, I guess it'll all work out in the end. No, you take it away from them. It's not worth them having it. Don't go and give them more poison. Go and take it away from them. Well, a couple of years later, she's older. We let her do it again. She's been on Instagram ever since she was 15 or 16. But do you know that that is... For one kid, that might be perfectly fine. For another kid, it might not be. We need to understand that God does not instruct us all the same way. God's not going to instruct Reba and Charlie the same way that he's going to instruct me and Heather. Nor is he going to do the exact same for y'all. So when God tells me to do something, go. don't go, well, I've never heard God tell me to do that. Well, if God hadn't told you to do it, go and do it. You know, I don't drink. I don't, I don't, I mean, we've had alcoholics in our, in our family. We've had all these different problems. Do you know that I don't want to even get near it, but there's people who go, well, I don't feel, I don't feel the need to, to not drink. Well, I'm not sitting there going, let me instruct you or tell you what you need to do or not do. Now, if you're an alcoholic and you're destroying your life, then I'll say, well, that's stupid. You need to get away from it right now. Go. But you know that at the end of the day, you need to take the you need to take what God's telling you and you need to apply it to your life. All right. Keep going. This is our last one. Matt, if you want to go ahead and start coming up. And it says here, uh, keep going and don't look back. Philippians 3 12, verse 16. Uh 12 through 16, it says, Not that I have already obtained or that I am perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. This is basically saying, guys, hey, you don't have to be perfect in order to have what Jesus is trying to put in your life. Do you know that Jesus is trying to put stuff in your life that you're not ready for? And that's okay. You know, it's a little bit like Caleb. He'd be running around with the, the baseball and, and you're going, you got to throw it to the guy 
at home plate. You got to throw it to first base. Well, he didn't understand the rules. He didn't understand why it was happening. Well, see, this is one of the reasons why sometimes we were given something and we have to grow into it. When I was given the opportunity to do church, I'm still growing. I haven't obtained it. I'm not perfect, but I keep pressing on. Do you know that in in verse 13, it says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. This is the most important thing that a Christian believer can do in their life. Forget the things that were holding you back behind you. See, I think a lot of times we turn around and we... We keep pulling our old junk with us. That's why he said reaching forward is because if you're reaching back to grab that stuff, you can't reach forward to the new stuff. Amen. Verse 14 says, And I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even to you, even this to you. Nevertheless, the degree that which we have already obtained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Do you know that one of the problems that we have is that a lot of times we don't have a mature way of thinking, which is what God's word is telling us. You know, if you ever if you ever hear a promise of God and that promise of God says something and the first thing you say is but. And I've said this before. Everybody's got a but and they all stink, right? Well, this is a but that stinks. Well, God said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. But I've had a bad I've had a bad home life. I've had a bad thing happen to me in my life. Well, you know what? You're negating. You're not being mature in your thinking. Do you know that to be mature and of the same mind as God, you have to go, yes. There is no but in yes. Do you know that in every single thing that you do, You need to take God's word over your circumstances, over your circumstances and situations. You know what? The world will throw all kinds of stuff at you. You just need to go, how do I keep moving forward, Lord? How do I keep going? You know what? If I'm light, then I don't quit. Know the race that you need to run. That's the number one thing. Don't run my race. Don't run somebody else's race. Go find what God is telling you to run. And then run that race. Don't stop. Run the race. Don't look back. Don't hold on to those things. But reach forward. Get those hands out in front of you. You know, I used to play offensive line. They would say, get your hands out in front of you. Don't get them down by your side. Get them out here because you can use them. You know what? If you got your hands down here or you got your hands back here, you can't use them. You got to get them out in front of you so you can take on the attack. You can take on the things that God is telling you to go through. 
You have a race to, to run and to win, and you got to get past all of the roadblocks and the hurdles. Nothing you can change from your past anyway. The only thing you can change is your future. If you had a bad past, guess what? Sorry. But you know what? You can have an awesome, awesome future. All you got to do is just keep looking forward. Just keep moving forward. Get those hands out in front of you. Take on all of the issues head on. Listen to instruction. Go through the, the motions that God tells you to. You may not be good at it right now. You may actually mess up. You may be believing for something and it doesn't happen. Well, keep believing because it's coming. The harvest is coming. There's going to be a point where God's going to bring it all together and you're going to be able to do it. But you've got to continue. You've got to keep moving forward. You can't stop. Don't turn around and look back. Continue. Don't be like Lot's wife. You know, she turned around and she became a pillar of salt. How about that? Y'all want to be a pillar of salt? Don't do it. Keep moving forward and God will continue to grow you and instruct you. You're too lit to quit. Don't give up. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Does anybody need prayer for anything? I don't see anybody's hands. I'm going to pray us out. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just thank you, Father, that you are creating in us a mindset that is mature, that we're not quitting, but that we're having the same mind as you, that we're thinking like you, that we're acting like you, that we may not be good at it, but we're continuing to do and and to grow into those things. And Father, I pray over each and every person that's here, give them instruction, Father. Whip them when there's a problem. Show them, Father, show them. Help instruct them and move them in the right direction. Move their mindset. Give them the ability to take on those things which are out there. Don't let them hide their light under a bushel, but let them light up the whole room when they walk in. A city on the hill, they are, and they will light up the whole country. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that everybody at the sound of my voice that you are just instructing them that you're giving them more and more Father they can handle it I want everybody to say this Father I can handle it in Jesus name Father I just pray over each and every person I pray as you you just send them this week that you bring people across their path that they can just share the love of God with and that they can bring into the family of God. And Father, I pray over each and every person that if they were thinking about quitting, if they were thinking about giving up, that Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you by the Holy Spirit, that you renew their strength as eagles. Continue with them. Show them and bring them to an absolution, Father. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a great week.